0: So Paul's back with uh, with the main thing that we wanted to talk about today, which was police reform. Um, you know, over the past um, I don't know uh, week or two, you know, there has been national, you know, basically national headline news with the Tyree Nichols, you know, essentially murder down in Memphis, Tennessee, and um, you know, naturally because of that, there's been a lot of talks again about. Police reform, and after you know, we we watched that video last week, and uh, man, it, it was hard to watch. And and, and Paul, you uh, you watched the video, and you know, someone that I've known for the past, you're someone that I've known in the past couple of years. Um, you know, you and I met in the gym, and uh, we just started having natural conversations, and right away I could tell you were you were different than a lot of uh, police officers. So do you, do you want to kind of give you know give a little bit of your background? Um, how you kind of got started into law enforcement and uh, you know, maybe we can kind of go from there. And especially with the what's fresh in people's mind is the Tyree Nichols thing. And maybe how we can make maybe policing better overall.
1: Sure. sure. So um, <clears throat> I was not a generational law enforcement officer, like where my, my father was in law enforcement or my uncle, I had mm-hmm. no one in my family that had ever been in law enforcement, a few people that had been in few uh, family members that had been in the military. It, that was actually where I really kind of wanted to go when I first, um, you know, graduated high school. But I ended up going. We had the first Gulf War. My right. mom really pushed me to go to college, so I went to college first. And um, law enforcement really was never on my mind um, initially, and uh, consequently, I didn't get into the law enforcement until I was well into my thirties. I was thirty, almost thirty-five years old. So, um, I did try a couple of times after graduating from high school, uh, to a couple agencies, Mm -hmm. um, it didn't work out and I continued to work in other fields. Um, my dad was a builder, so I was always in the trades. Um, you know, I went to a couple of different companies for things that I had my degree in and, um, you know, after quite a bit of time, um, I just had this calling. I had a calling to be a service person. And and I really felt as though it probably should have been in the military. Um, but growing up at the time frame that I did, the military, you know, in the in the mid-90s was was downsizing. Okay, They didn't want people. They were pushing you away. And then, of course, then we had 2001, yeah. uh, 9-11. And that changed everything. But now I have a – fast forward, I have a family. And at that point, it wasn't really an option anymore so i said well we'll go back to the idea of maybe i can serve in law enforcement and um that's when my journey began so i've only got 15 years in okay um, but i'm 50 years old yeah so i'm a little bit older um and when you when i look at my career it it was pretty quick like i mean i fast forwarded pretty quick i found myself in leadership roles faster than most people and I would say that probably the reason why was because of all my experience outside of law enforcement. Right. I have a different perspective on things. I look at things differently. Um, I tend to slow down a lot more than maybe some of my younger counterparts yeah. who, are, who, who who got into law enforcement at a young age where, you know, as we young, when you're a young man, you know, you want to, you, you know, you want to do something quick. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You want to get there quick. You want to do things quick. You want to be a part of everything. And you have this idea, like there's this glorified idea of being involved in, you know, law enforcement to protect the world.
0: Do you think that's a problem with law enforcement is that, you know, there's a lot of kids that are, you know, coming right out of high school, essentially. For sure. And why, like, why is that I mean, I feel like that could be just a, a very logical step in a better direction um, with policing in general. Why, why do why do we allow in our society, why do we allow an 18-year-old to, to immediately go right out of high school, right into law enforcement? Because to your point, you had a lot of experience of life. Mm-hmm. I mean, why, why do we allow young people just to, to naturally just make that next leap right away without that experience because in your line of work, you it's, you're dealing with people and I feel like there has to be some type of understanding about people. And when
1: you're 18 years old, how much understanding do you have about others? I don't think you do. And I think that the, the first point in, in trying to decipher the difference between what we've always done and what we should be doing Mm -hmm. Is simply law enforcement is not looked at as a profession it's actually technically not a professional organization or a professional like certification like for instance a nurse okay you have to have professional certifications to be a nurse now they're starting conversations and I do believe it's going to happen here um, where that's going to actually happen but the education isn't there. Like you, you don't require a college degree. You don't require any type of um, formal certification outside of going to the police Academy. Right. And it's relatively short. I mean, it's a five month.
2: And that's more physical than anything, right?
1: It's physical and mental. Cause you know, I've, I've been an instructor and it's, it's physical and mental. Um, there is a mental part to it, but it's, it's very basic. It's very basic. I can't give you, at the academy level, we can't give you the experience that someone would have if they had been, say, a plumber for five years before they came in. Right. And some people would say, well, that's ridiculous. Why would being a plumber give you any more life experience than someone who just came out of high school? But it does because you've actually put your blue jeans on and your work boots on every day for five years and driven up and down the road and gone to jobs and right. potentially gotten pulled over by a police officer when you were really doing everything right maybe you had a minor infraction and here you're getting hassled or whatever and you understand what it's like like hey look i'm a good guy yeah. 90 97 of the people out there and i don't quote me on that yeah. but <laughs> are decent people yeah and there's a there's a gray area as to where you know where they've actually gone wrong like are they doing something on purpose wrong or where did they just make a mistake and that's the vast majority of people out there they've made a mistake and you know they're not really looking at doing they're not going into your car to take all your change and your money yeah i mean that's that's a crime right they're just driving down the road
0: right do, do you think there's a, a like an us versus them mentality from your experience in in policing.
1: Mm. I think it depends on the department you work for, and I think that that is probably something that um, it's a culture, you know, in certain areas of the country, mm-hmm. in certain areas of maybe each state, even even down to the county, because one town may have a different leader who sets the tone for his officers, his or her officers. Um, that's definitely what I, I think that where that comes from. I think, you know, rewind 10 years ago, that was probably a, a, a much more common theme. But as we're progressing
0: mm-hmm.
1: now, I, I'm starting to see different agencies break off from that old mentality.
0: Okay. Now where do you think that old mentality came from? Like what, what, What was like, you know, when I think, I mean, I haven't been on this earth as as long as you guys, but like when I think back to some of the things like in the nineties, I mean, was it, was it the, um, what was the major thing that happened in the, Rodney Rodney King, Rodney King, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I guess that was like the, the, the major, uh, one in recent, more recent memory that really sparked, you know, people to pay attention to, to policing a little bit. Like, where do you think a lot of that, that came from that mentality of like us versus them?
2: First, a quick word from our sponsor. Are you looking for the original gangsta of skunk citrus? Well, then this month's bud of OG Kush may be your speed. Cultivated in the 90s in Florida, mixed with strains from Northern California, OG Kush offers an 18% THC content, leaving you with feelings of calm and euphoria. If weed is legal in your state, go online or to your local dispensary to see if the original gangsta of Kush is available
0: near you. Yeah, baby! Everything is bigger in Texas, including the unique and bold flavor of this month's whiskey, Rumble, from Balcones Distillery. Whether you like classics such as their signature baby blue and lineage or an annual release, which is what we have here, Balcones has a whiskey for you. If you're 21 and over, you can find Balcones whiskey in most liquor stores or go check them out at BoconesDistilling.com.
1: I think, I think it just comes down to, you know, you have this line and it's like you, you draw this line in the sand of like what, you know, the general public will accept mm-hmm. for um, good behavior versus not good behavior. You know what I mean? Like where, where is that line? And we're on one side of it and everybody else is on the other side of that line. Right. In, in theory. I think that's kind of how it happens is. You know and when that line gets drawn it moves the line moves all the time Mm. depending on what society decides what that line is going to be and right now we've seen we call it the pendulum it swings to the left it swings to the right right and we've seen that pendulum go really far one way and eventually it'll creep back the other way yeah you know
0: and how do we make it like kind of stay still in a way where everybody like i mean think about like just you know Two weeks ago, you know Tyree Nichols gets murdered. I mean, that seemed like fucking really extreme what those guys did, and it's like, well, obviously, I mean we we can do a lot better than that. With what those guys did to that man, and like, I mean, what do you you know? Well, forget about that. What did you think about the the video in general? Like, what were your thoughts when you saw that? As a police officer, what was your initial impression?
1: No education.
0: No education.
1: They just, these guys didn't inform themselves. They weren't informed. They didn't have enough education or training. That's that's where it came to for me. It was like getting into a job and just learning from other people before them how to do that job. In other words, if I told you, hey, come on along with me and I'm going to teach you how to do this job, you're learning from me and that's how we're going to learn. Instead of, a professional organization of many, many, many different people right. who've put together a curriculum that says, "Okay, this is acceptable. This is not. Right. You know, if you teach me how to do something and I accept that, and that's how I learn. That's all I know. Well, yeah. You know,
2: and it could be completely wrong. Hundred
1: yeah. percent. Right. Right. Hundred right. percent. And I've actually seen that happen. Where I call it the myths. The myths of anything, it doesn't have to just be law enforcement. It's like the myth of, you know, now everybody does, what, what do we do? We fact check, right? Mm-hmm. We get on, we don't, we, we get on Google and fact check somebody when they say something. So, you know, we all have our perception and and I say, well, there's a myth of, of policing or there's a myth of whatever. This is how we're going to do it. And until it's challenged, until it goes to court, until somebody challenges all that, that's the way it stays. Yeah. You know, and when you actually get into it and look at the real meat and potatoes of like, say, say you have to dive into the law book and actually read what the law says, that's when you find out, oh man, <laughs> maybe I'm not right about that. Maybe right. I need to have somebody with a little bit more educational, more professionalism to look at this and say, how are we going to handle this? How are we going to actually interpret this law, you know?
0: So watching that video, do you think that, you know, those guys... I don't know when they started law enforcement, but we could argue, and it's probably when they were maybe just got out of high school, like eighteen, nineteen years old. And to your point, where you're like you're being taught sometimes the wrong way, that like you got maybe they got molded mm-hmm. into having a perception, and maybe that that mold was well, you know, we're the good guys, they're the fucking bad guys, and we run these streets. And it's like a gang mentality. Pretty much. Yeah. So, initially, you're saying that... I mean, what should be the age, do you think, where people can get into law enforcement as a profession?
1: So, the vast majority... I mean, you, you know, you talk about who's getting into law enforcement. We have males and females. And, you know... We look at degree requirements. You can look at a lot of different things, you know, where, where, where are people actually mature? And Mm. and I can only really speak for men because I'm a man. Right. So, um, and this is just a little tidbit about, you know, how we develop and I'm sure you, you know, quite a bit about this, but our frontal cortex for a male doesn't really develop fully until 25 years old. Yeah. Okay. I mean, and that's where you look at young men. We take a lot of risks. We do a lot for of sure. things before we're 25. Yeah. And that's just a, that's probably a line, you know, that 25, it doesn't magically happen at 25. Right, it right. happens for everybody at different ages, just like puberty. Right. You know, it, for some people it happened at 12, others it was 14. Right. Um, so I think that that's one of the things, Nick, I, know, I mean, obviously you can't determine. I don't think that that's something that we can determine, you know have they reached that point where they're mature enough to be able to handle these responsibilities. But certainly we can have tests in place. Right. And certainly one of the things that we can do to push that is, hey, I think the simple thing is you got to have a four-year degree. Okay. So now I don't care what the degree is in. If you have a four-year degree, you've elevated yourself to a level of, and I mean, let's be honest, college doesn't make you smarter. No. No. But it does give you time to develop. It also
2: shows you have discipline and you can correct do, a, like you need to earn that degree. Right. No matter what the degree is in, you need to put the time in and the work in to earn it. And that's showing a certain level of, well, just who you are, a certain level of character. like Yeah, that's right. true. That's a good point.
1: So that's already pushed you to the age of at least 21, 22 years old. Right. I mean, not many people can get done a four-year degree before then unless they
2: are really smart
1: really smart or graduated mm. high school really young or whatever Yeah. in which case if you're really smart you're probably not going to become a law enforcement <laughs> officer
2: yeah if you can skip through college like that you're not thinking yeah. about law you're thinking yeah. about you might whatever. be a lawyer yeah you might be a <laughs> yeah. doctor
0: or a lawyer right right so okay so now are you saying just college what if what if somebody came to you or so, okay so let's just say in a perfect world the age is 25 and is it mandatory college degree or is it college degree or military experience or you know work experience what do you think
1: i think that if you're going to make an actual age mm-hmm. then i think it can be anything you want it to be it can be a combination if you're going to say if you're not going to go with an age and say you can't apply till you're 25 say say they say you just got to have a co- college degree now we're at least ensuring that people are at least in their mid you know 21 early, 22. early, 22 right, yeah, years right. old. Um, that might be the start, you know. Um, I wouldn't want to exclude people because I do believe that, you know, I could come out of high school and go be a welder for four or five years and really get a lot of great life experience, you know, and, yeah. and be a very intelligent individual and be able to say, hey, I want to change gears here, and I want to work, you know, as a, as a law, enforcement, law enforcement officer.
0: Right. So... So really, that, I, and I think that could be two easy things to where we have an age requirement and then naturally, because of that age requirement, it's giving people some type of natural experience and the age requirement is because to allow, you know, the brain to develop a little bit more. You know, and, and I mean, that's a really good point. I mean, I think back to when I was 18 years old. I mean, if you told me to run through a freaking wall at 18 years old, I, I know you'd be, you know, I know you're joking about it, but I would think about it and I'm like, yeah, I can run through that damn wall. Right. I wouldn't even think about the consequences
1: of that. I'll give you a perfect example for me. Have either of you guys ever jumped out of a perfectly good airplane and skydive?
0: No, sir. Mm-hmm. I would not do that. I would love to, but I haven't done it <laughs> yeah. doing that shit.
1: I don't think I'm doing it ever Right now. Yeah. Right. But at 18, I would have done it oh, in a heartbeat. Right. Yeah. You don't, you're not thinking of those consequences. 18, 19, 20, 22. <laughs> yeah. Would have right. done it. I've right. bungee
2: jumped and things like that before, which mm-hmm. like, I, think I don't think I would sketch. do that now. Like, I've swam in the middle of the ocean with sharks, like, I wouldn't do that now. Right. Like, cause right. Cause you're smarter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I value my life a little more. Right. Yeah. Right.
0: And, and so that right there allows the brain to develop a little bit more. So now you have some type of awareness. It, it, I think, it, I think that creates a little bit more of an awareness of an individual and awareness of other people as well. And then naturally those individuals are gaining life experience too, which I think could lead to more compassion for other human beings.
1: So there's a whole other half to this, which is when you come, and this is just my belief, when you come onto the job at 18 or 19 years old, and I hand you a gun and a badge, and I say, go out and do good, Yeah. and I coach you how to do the job, you know, whomever is going to coach you how to do that job, depending on your coach, you could come out really, really good. Or you could come out not so good. Yeah. You know, and you could go out there and you can get away with things for a long, long time. And then you can find yourself in a situation like we see on TV. Yeah. You know, Um, and I think that that is a real key, important thing that you have to watch, which is could you imagine having all that responsibility at 18, 19 years old? And I mean, we look at our military and we say, look at all the responsibility that we put on them when we send them overseas. An 18 year old young man young woman who's put in harm's way and you know they come back to the you know come back here after they've been in harm's way and seen things that maybe they weren't ready to see or how to deal with things that they weren't ready to deal with some people can deal with it yeah obviously we have we have very um you know we have people to come back and and lead very productive lives but we have we also have people that don't yeah and you know that's unfortunate how do you weed through that to determine who's ready for it and who's not? Well, I think that if you make them a little bit older, they are going to think about those things a little bit more before they rush in. Right. And I think that's the real key to it is not rushing into things. You know, maybe taking a step back and thinking about something and saying, all right, how do I want to handle this situation? I have two people that are out arguing. Am I going to escalate this or am I going to de-escalate it? Right. I mean, we there, there are trigger words now, escalation, de-escalation. It's like a big thing, but... Quite honestly, de escalation has been going on forever. And, and that's what our my goal is. It's it's I think what an experienced law enforcement officer would do in general. Unless they were trained not so well.
0: Yeah. Um what else do you think could be done to improve, you know, the the perception of law enforcement or to improve policing in general? so that's so we have so we have the age requirement we have the experience what else do you think could could happen to where yeah this is something we could put in place to just progress to a better level so more people less people get hurt less stupid shit happens like we just saw in in tennessee um what do you think what do you think we could do
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, we have a lot of things that that have been out there that are tried and true. um, And this is where that pendulum comes into play, where, like, for instance, you have PAL, Police Mm. Athletic League. You have um, youth police academies. You have a lot of community policing events and so on and so forth. Coffee with a cop. Christmas shopping with a cop. Whatever it is. There's a lot of things out there that we do. But the problem is, is it's time, money. Right. Effort. Yeah. You know, because it takes a lot of effort to put those things together. They're absolutely worth it. But now we have strained, um, maybe a strained department that's low on manpower. I mean, that's a big problem right now. We're low on manpower. So, where we're, we're, are we going to cut first? I have to put so many people out on shift to deal with the actual complaints. So, can I have a guy out there doing coffee with a cop? Right. You know, I mean, they're working. Right. You know, but their job is to, you know, meet and greet the public and talk to the public and do things and with the public and with the kids and so on and so forth, which is all great. And it really is a, a good thing to do. But we also have to do the job.
0: Right. Well, and that's I, – I didn't even think about that. So you have these, these community events where you're developing a relationship with people inside the community. And I, and I would say, like, just looking at that last week's video – um, with Tyree Nichols, it's like that—that's your fucking community member, man. Like you assholes, just—you didn't even look at him as part of the community. You just freaking looked at him as something else. Like, and I think building relationships with people inside the community, where you know, hey, we're community members. You're a community member. Like, we're here together. We're just trying to make sure like shit just doesn't get crazy and out of control. But you know you start having this compassion again for other human life and 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 building that relationship do you think um i don't know how much you looked in uh maybe into this department down in memphis but do you think they would even have something like that down there
1: i'm sure they do i mean i don't know um off the top of my head i hadn't looked into them but i mean it's pretty nationwide where there's a lot of different programs mm-hmm. you know for um Community policing. Right. It's everywhere. And it's, it's, you know, it's a staple in law enforcement at this point. Um, Yeah. I think, I think, you know, moving forward, again, it comes down to education of the officer. It comes down to um, a a broader view of of who's training them as opposed to one person. Right. You know, you got to have, you got to have a level of, um, um, Oversight, Yeah. You know, you can't just let one guy teach another guy how to do the job and then be like, hey, they're doing good. Yeah. You know, they're making a rest. They're doing their job. How are they doing it? Right. You know, are they being reviewed? Are they being looked at? You know, um, and nobody likes to have somebody over their shoulder all the time. But, I mean, I kind of like it to a, to a football team, a wrestling team, anything. Like, you got to have a coach. Right. And if you don't have a coach looking over your shoulder and telling you how to do the job better – Yeah, a good coach. It has to be a good coach. It's got to be a good coach. Right. And and that's – (laughs) so that goes into a whole other thing with – and I'm sure you can speak to this too, um, you know, in your own life experience where – let's look at the supervisors that we have, not just in law enforcement, but in any job. Any job. Right. Who are these people? Right. There's a lot of bad leaders out there. Unfortunately, the vast majority of them that I see are people that you really don't want leading anything. Yeah. So –
0: you kind of just mentioned something about wrestling and maybe football, coaching, but what about the physical capability of an individual? And you and I have talked about this before. Slang and I were talking about this last week, where um maybe having some type of martial art background or some type of violent sport background.
1: A hundred percent. It makes a big difference in anything in life with regards to a discipline. I don't care if you box do jujitsu, do Aikido, wrestle, it doesn't matter what you do, where you do something every day where you've had to um, have a discipline, you know, you have discipline in your life, you're going to look at things differently. Mm
2: -hmm. But you have to be able to control it.
1: Controlling is a big thing. I mean, there are people, and we see this, that get involved in those types of, um, you know, disciplines, like, say, jujitsu, and they come in and all they want to do is roll and hurt people, you know, and... That's not what most.
2: Uh, well, we've talked about like Jordan Peterson. Like, if you know who he is, like, oh you, yeah, like you want to be dangerous. Like, you should be dangerous, right? But you should be able to control it.
1: Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with what's that? What's that uh, term? With great power comes great responsibility, right? You know, so if I'm able to do, if I'm able to, you know, go out there and and uh, put anybody down on the ground, like ninety percent of the people out there. I'm not going to just go do that because I can. Yeah. I'm only going to use it very reserved. It's only very, only worst
2: right. case
0: scenario if right. you have to. Yeah. Right. I also think those types of endeavors, whether it's boxing, jiu-jitsu, wrestling, or even other sports like, you know, like football, for example, because it's a mm-hmm. violent sport, you're putting yourself in harm's way voluntarily, and you're mm-hmm. putting yourself in compromising situations. I think... I feel as though it creates a level of calm in a very stressful situation over time, and I think that can apply to policing in general. When naturally, inevitably, you are going to be in some very stressful situations. You know, it, right away the the um, the motorcycle uh, or the dirt bike incident you were telling me about. I think your first year on a job, mm-hmm. um, and you you are a collegiate you were D one collegiate wrestler. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, it was a very uh, compromising, life-threatening situation you were in. Um, and many law enforcement officers across the country are, you know, they find themselves in those situations, I would argue, you know, probably more common than we'd think maybe. But but you have a background in some type of martial art or some type of violent endeavor, and you're used to being in that, those compromising situations so you can think more clearly When I would imagine you think more clearly when, all right, this is real. This could be a real life and death situation, but I, I, I'm used to it to some degree.
1: Right. So that kind of leads you into this other thing that I kind of subscribe to, which is this, this law. Um, It's a principle that was developed by a Vietnam era pilot, Mm -hmm. um, Colonel Boyd. I can't remember his first name. You can look him up. But I think we've talked about this before. It's called the OODA loop. Yes, we did talk about this. And the principle behind the OODA loop is that OODA stands is, is uh, spelled, it's a anagram, O-O-D-A. And um, the first O goes for um, observe. Mm-hmm. And the second is orient. Then you have decide and act. And the, the Oodaloo principle is that we all have to go through this this process biologically in order to act. So before you can do anything, you have to your body has to go through this. I have to observe, orient myself to whatever I'm observing, and then I have to decide what I'm gonna do before I can act. And this can take as little time, it can take under a quarter second. Right. We see this principle every day, like driving a car. Yeah. So imagine yourself driving down the road and the person in front of you slams on their brakes. And if you're if everything's good and, and you're paying attention to the road and you're not distracted, you're gonna see that right away and immediately act. But you didn't realize that you observed it, oriented to it, decided and acted, you did it in a split second. Right. Um, this is something, this principle, you can pull into your whole life. And it's something that I personally feel as though for law enforcement officers, but anyone, needs to be able to understand which is if you can't well when you when you put yourself in the position and i and i do this all the time i think about things that could happen and it helps you react better mm. each time so the more you do something so let's go back to like wrestling you have moves guy comes in he, he tries to take me down and i have an immediate response when he does this i do this i have a counter for every offensive move that he has and he has a counter for every offensive move that I have and then there's a recounter and so on and so forth and that's what makes the sport exciting chess game it's just a chess game it's a chess game but you have to act you have to orient yourself and act to everything that they do it's the same thing in any scenario that you go into and I mean we can talk about like just take it back into law enforcement again a traffic stop there's literally millions every day that go on Right. and you could say well, it's the same thing every time, but it's not. Yeah. It's hundred percent not the same because there's two different people involved, it's on a different road, there's different mitigating circumstances, there's always something that makes it different. Yeah. It could be very much similar, but if you go through these things over and over and over, you're gonna have a you're gonna have a response that becomes your go to response. Right, right. You know, now sometimes if you aren't able to control it, you're gonna respond poorly in a situation where you mistake and we've heard about it in the past where somebody pulls out a, a cell phone in the dark right and an officer shoots them yeah or something like that happens very unfortunate but maybe they were conditioned to that response because of the training that they had right. maybe they didn't think about it enough maybe they didn't adhere to the principles the principles of having good light good lighting before you do anything knowing right. I mean, go back to the basics of um, firearm safety know your target and beyond yeah i gotta know what my target is you know i, I right. can't just shoot for no reason yeah so that being said the UDA Loop is a really in my opinion a really great principle that needs to be taught to everyone so that you can understand the physiological response that happens when something happens to you right it's conditioned response
0: yeah and i i, th- and I also think um i think i would imagine you know i mean martial arts would help with that
1: Yeah. Because it makes you realize that there's chaos. Right. And you have to bring order to that chaos. And how do you bring order to it? You have to observe it. Right. You have to take the time to say, okay, it might take me a half a second now instead of a quarter second. Right. But at least I'm going to make a better decision.
0: Do you think that's something that could be required in law enforcement for potential candidates to not only have a current background in some type of you know violent uh sport and currently training as they are going through the academy and make that a requirement uh for them throughout their career to continuously train
1: well i think we might i think you might end up uh, i'm thinking about this here you might end up losing out on some really quality people, and what I mean by that is not everybody is uh, meant for just the street and law enforcement. Because you still need people that can do other parts. There's so many parts to to, to the uh, machine right. that need to happen, and not everybody. It's it's like a football team. Not everybody can be the quarterback. Right. Not everybody's going to be a running back. Not everybody's going to be a lineman. Yeah. You know, you're going to have a guy that's going to come in. Guy or girl that's going to come and it's going to be a special teams player, and they're going to be the kicker, right? And that's all they do.
0: Yeah, but they're still they're still training, hundred percent, just like everybody else is training. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And and I I think law enforcement needs to. This is my perception where it needs to be held to a different standard as far as like, hey, if you want to be an officer, like we're not just accepting anybody. Like you have to have this. And yes, we may miss out on some quality people that, you know, could be doing some good behind the scenes stuff, but you know, like we have to hold everybody to this standard.
1: Yeah, I, I guess maybe what I'm what I'm really talking about is is that you know, you have a certain type of person that goes out for a football team.
0: Right. That's true.
1: You know, and even if they're gonna end up just being the kicker, you still have that same mentality. Yeah. All the way through. And if if you don't keep the, the workplace in, in that department mm-hmm. or that agency diverse, and what I mean diverse, like broadly diverse with their background. Right. You know, where they're coming from. Because now we have to, you know, that's the thing in law enforcement that we always think we hear about, mm, you got to think outside the box. Mm-hmm. You know, if everybody was a football player, mm. You're point. only going to have a football. It's response. very aggressive.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's right. a good
1: point. So you kind of need some other people who may, okay, so maybe the, their martial art is more aikido, or maybe it's um, a more gentle. You know, if you're if you're if you're thinking of of different types of things that they could do, right? To come into, but I understand what you're talking about. You know, like you want everybody to have that discipline, that knowledge. You know, almost that blood, sweat, and tears of of. Um, development yeah, you know because at the end of the day you're able to control that or maybe better able to control that but you still need some people out there that are going to be maybe completely different than you
2: yeah we like need it to balance to balance yeah, everything right. because
1: if you don't have that you know i mean uh, I then understand. you're
2: just 100 percent go forward like right go right. get them yeah
1: i'll throw this out there like when i first started in law enforcement i was pretty like anti-female law enforcement officers and just because you know I'm a man, and I looked at it like, well, there's not one woman out there that could, you know, take me down. Right. Let's just say that. And I'm not saying that there might not be one out there because <laughs> there's some pretty pretty tough ladies out there. Yeah. But but it's not the norm. Right. You know when you when you normally see that, and I was just like, this is ridiculous. Why would they be here? You know, like that they're taking their lives into their hands, and right. we've seen so many videos yeah. where somebody, you know a bad guy decides to knock out a, oh, a man, female man, I seen a officer. lot of videos on yeah. that. And you're like, that's insane. Yeah. But that being said, when you partner with a female, right? when you put a, a you know, a quality male officer with mm. a quality female officer, there's this real good balance between the two, and there's things that she can get, you know, in a conversation, in, you know, when you separate off, and, you know, maybe that subject isn't going to do anything because now you have two people there. Right. And he's looking at the the maybe the male officer and saying, "Well, he can handle himself." And she's very confident. And I'm not saying she can't handle herself because she can. Right. Um but I've I've experienced this where I'm on the job with a with a female officer and been like, "Wow, this is I wouldn't have gotten this far because it maybe it brought things down. Maybe it just dis- de-escalated just because she was there." Interesting. I never thought about that. That make I mean, it definitely
0: makes sense. Um do you think another component to better policing has to be throughout your career there has to be a physical requirement not only that you can complete certain physical tasks but also you maintain maybe a certain body composition certain lifestyle because you know i mean we go to philly and i've seen a lot of fucking fat philly cops they're everywhere. Right. They're everywhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? And very uncapable individuals. Right. You know? Um, do you think that's a problem?
1: Uh, of course. I think I think it's a problem not, not just for the fact of, you know, I mean, well, you we talk about when you first start law enforcement, you talk about your presence. Your, right. Just your presence alone in the uniform is like a form of, um, you know, deterrence. Right. You know? For some people, they've never met a police officer before, and they look at them as larger than life. You know, here's a guy with, with this utility belt on, with all these gadgets on there, and maybe an outer carrier vest, and they they, they look the part. Yeah. They're six foot two. And yeah. You know, they're... Jacked. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, wow. Shit. And then you have a guy that looks like a soup sandwich, and, and <laughs> completely different <laughs> mentality, right. you know, a
2: perception, right? right. Yeah. And
1: they've they've interviewed. I mean, there's been interviews and there's been psychological studies done by the FBI with with um, you know inmates that have you know attacked and or murdered police officers, and they said why? Yeah. You know, why did you know? Why would you do this? Why would you take the chance? Well, I knew I could take him because he looked yeah. weak. He yeah. looked right. weak. Yeah. So. That happens, yeah. and we and they talk about that with us all the time. I mean, you know, when you first get into the into the job, it's all about you got to look a certain way. You, know, you have to be confident, yeah. and, and that comes from a lot of different places. So, it doesn't mean that you. It's it's almost just a perceived perception that, right. you, that you can handle yourself. Um, that doesn't happen for all all of them out yeah. there.
0: And I, I think that could be a way for policing to get better. I think it's, it's going to weed out. It would weed out a ton of individuals.
2: Well, that would also, if you have to maintain a certain level of physicality, like your whole career, that's going to create discipline as well. For sure. Like, right. It's going to make you more disciplined. But if you have to keep
0: that right, this is a standard I have to hold Yeah, right, for my job.
1: A lot of, a lot of agencies do, they, they do require this. It's not, um, steadfast across the board. Mm. Um, Some of it's voluntary. Some of it is mandatory, but a lot of times it's mandatory for maybe promotional appointment. So maybe you don't have to be compliant. You have to go out and try the test and maybe you don't pass the test and all that means is you don't get promoted. Right. You're still going to keep your job.
0: Yeah, I got Um, you.
1: Which, you know, I mean, look, I've gone through injuries in my career. I've gone through a lot of different things in my life and my fitness level is going up and down yeah. all throughout. For me, you know, I have that background where, you know, if I'm determined, I'm gonna get back in shape. Yeah. Um not everybody is like that. And and that's where having maybe that background in some type of martial art or some yeah. type of sport, some combative sport where you're like, hey, you had to really work hard to get here. I call it the Rocky complex because mm-hmm. I grew up with Rocky, you yeah. know, like mm-hmm. if you're the guy that can go out there and 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 you know use the sledgehammer and and uh, at the junkyard, and do all the runs, and yeah. do all the one-handed push-ups, and all like you know, all that stuff, you know. And you're not going to quit. That's the kind of guy you want, you right? Know, you, you want there. You want somebody that's not going to quit on that. Um, but if you have people that have never done those things, you don't know what they're going to do when, right. when the proverbial shit hits the fan.
0: Right. Exactly. Then that's and that's just it. I mean, policing. You know firefighting military whatever like they're fucking physically demanding jobs they are you have to be in some type of physical shape and and we've all seen many cops that i mean you don't do a damn thing Mm -hmm. you know and i think that's i think that's a problem
1: it is a problem yeah i mean it, it definitely creates a problem i mean you can you can get into that you can go down the road of you have all these tools on your belt yeah that you can use to help yourself overcome a situation and if your physicality yep. is not up to standard you may reach for something that is
2: exactly right if like you for instance you're going to be able to take somebody down and hold them down and keep them in place somebody that's not physically fit or that can't do that they're going to pull out their gun or they're going to pull you, out yeah. something else right. so to something get stupid. the job done
1: and this is the this is one thing that's really interesting to see and if, you, if, you, if you've YouTubed it ever you know you can see real you know, like civilians that have gone to like simulation places where they've actually taken they've even had police departments I've seen it on the news where they take a newscaster through a situation where like they go through like two or three days of training on how to use force you know how to maybe draw their weapon and, and so on and so forth and, and they actually put them in the eyes of the police officer or you know whatever they're doing and um, they run them through scenarios day one day two day three and you see the, de- the development that they have but they still make big mistakes yeah you know and that's only a three-day course you know and i and i go back to the cell phone guy pulls out a cell phone he's very aggressive he's yelling so on and so forth he says i'm gonna i'm gonna hurt you i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna beat your brains in yeah and you know you're you're supposed to be the officer and here this is a person that's an untrained person but they've gone through some training yeah And they kind of know what to expect because they've said, look, you're going to be in a high stressful situation and, you know, we don't want you to pull out your weapon unless these things happen, these parameters, same thing that the police officers have been taught. And yet they pull out that gun when they shouldn't have, you know, and that's when people start to see and realize how much training you need to be able to be restrained enough to do these things. And And then you go back to, you can always fall back to the fact that, you could be on the job for 15 years and if you're not staying up on things. Yeah,
0: Yeah, and I think this is, maybe this, I know funding is probably a big issue maybe with certain departments, uh, probably across the country, but I also think there is, there has to be this responsibility of the individual who is in, you know, in this type of field of work that, hey, okay, whether I'm getting paid to do this or not, I have got to continuously train, train with my weapon, train with my, my my you know my hands uh, lift weights run swim you know do yoga uh, interact with the community on a regular basis like even if I'm not getting paid for it I still need to do this on my own because I might be in a situation on my job where my life might be on the line their their life might be on the line I might do something stupid and I don't want to do anything stupid right another thought that I had we were talking about this last week this, this will never happen. Oh my God! I know where you're going with this. This is, this shit is not happening. This will never happen. But I think this could be a step down the road. I disagree with this, by the way. Okay, would be before you get hired, you have to have a certain amount of psychedelic trips. <laughs>
1: well, yeah.
0: I know that will never happen. You've never experienced psychedelics. We've talked about this before. Uh-huh. You know, I have. We but we both have, yeah, I have several times. And I and I can tell you this the amount my mind has opened up, the the ability for these substances to make an individual more understanding, more compassionate, more sympathetic, I think could be used ah. as a great tool in a job that can be very violent. How do you think that psychedelics make someone more compassionate? I am only speaking from anecdotal experience. One of the things that it's made me realize is my own, my own flaw. My own flaws. True. But not everybody's going to look deep within. And that's okay. But I, but I think it could be where the individual who is going into law enforcement has to see a psychotherapist where they are under professional supervision, they do X amount of trips through it's crazy i know i understand i'm just saying like x amount of trips with a with a professional who guides them who helps them and then there's this this debriefing after each trip and like what do you learn and then try to apply it to the field of law enforcement and how can we use what you've learned through these experiences how could this help you because for me like it's made me realize like i'm not perfect but what if that person gets addicted to it because it could don't say it couldn't happen it could happen i'm they're anti-addicting. That's that's the thing. Psilocybin mushrooms, I, we can. There we can plen- we there can are pull plenty up plenty of people that are addicted to psychedelics. They're they're addicted. They're only addicted to, to the, the that, feeling, but they're anti-addicting themselves. The reason why they're anti-addicting is because it's not necessarily the most pleasant feeling, to be quite honest with you. Especially when there's nausea involved. You know, you feel like you're going to throw your guts up. Um, you're having this intense experience that sometimes isn't the most pleasurable right because it's making you realize like it's making you confront your own ego and really dissolving your own ego and for some people that isn't good I talked to a mermaid when I was tripping like, I
2: talked to a mermaid <laughs> that's okay all right? like what did the mermaid we had a conversation what did a mermaid teach you I
0: hightailed like? it out of that pool I don't know what she was saying I got out of there I, 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 took, I ran for my life man <laughs> and look there, it's not for everybody but my point is you know, Johns Hopkins University has done research on this for years and, and, and their research is part of the reason why you know, we're starting to see psychedelics become more legal in our culture um, and they will be legal. I mean, it's going to be the next way, just like marijuana is, is, I mean, that's going to be I would imagine anytime soon it would probably be federally legal and every single state would probably be legal um, and psychedelics are soon to follow because of all the benefits that can come from them. And I'm thinking, like, well, maybe this could be used as a tool to help people in law enforcement to maybe confront themselves where, like, hey, maybe this job isn't for me. Because now I have to realize, what like... What do you think about this?
1: Um, well, I certainly can't speak from experience, yeah. so, um, I, I, you know, I, I wouldn't put anything past, you know, I mean, it, it comes down to the science, I guess, and with the, that's a very controversial right, yeah, topic yeah, anymore yeah. It comes down to the it's, science, right, you know. It's a, it's a shame. which is really a shame because scientists should be very impartial and we see a very politicized scientific community anymore. So (laughs) it would kind of come down to, is it politically something? Is that the direction that they want to go to? I don't know. I mean, I think, I think, I think anything can help certain people in certain situations, you know, like, but I don't know that it's, it, it would be mainstream enough to, What are you going to benefit? I mean, I guess that would be the real—you've had your benefit Mm -hmm. that you feel that you had from it, but I would want to see, like, a cross-section, you know, like—because I have a science background. I'd want to know what the cross-section is, like, how many people are benefiting. Is it, like, the vast majority of people are benefiting from it, like, mentally, their anxiety or whatever? Like, does that really help them? I don't know that that's necessarily— you know being able to confront your own flaws and so on and so forth is that necessarily something that is driving the policing if you want to call them issues that we have today i don't
2: i don't think you need psychedelics to do that though
1: no i don't think so either yeah. i mean i've i've been able to confront myself as time goes on because i'm an open person yeah and i'm i'm willing to accept you know well, that from other people like hey i think you're being a jerk right now yeah okay well how come yeah and and i'm not going to be defensive about that
0: i I think you're exceptional (laughs) that's and that's but you know just from knowing you over the past few years like i feel like you're a lot different than a lot of the police officers that i've I've met and i think and again just my opinion that psychedelics rapidly fast forward that in an individual where it's like you have this open you have this open-minded mentality even quicker then naturally like you've progressed over time with this you know because not everybody's like that not everybody's very open-minded and this is a tool to really open your mind literally um to but not everybody's
2: going to react to it the same way
0: that is true that's why you have to deal with a professional you know i don't know this is just a thought i don't know i just think so this is
1: where i i look at the thinking outside of the box right it's great and i and, and as a you know if if we were in a company together and I was your boss, I'd say hey, that's a great idea. I love the fact that you're being very creative about this, and let's let's put that on the on the back burner. Yeah, let's yeah. <laughs> <Doesn't laughs> just that, sit on this right, for there's a, while. there's a lot of yeah. things, and, and that are we'll easier. see and we'll see what what goes on. Right. Let's, let's take some of these other more mainstream yeah, ideas yeah, and, yeah. and and start with those. You know, what yeah. I mean, no, I cause, understand. Because how about this? It, you want to take it a whole nother step? Why not mandate that every officer, in and or even some of the other fields that we have, like nurses and doctors and so on and so forth mandate that they have a, a um, therapist to talk to once a week, you know, and that's part of your, part of your job. You get a one hour session with your therapist to talk about, you know, what's going on in your life, what's going on with your job, because, you know, you see things that you don't, not everybody sees. Yeah. You know, you, you have to deal with things that not everybody has to deal with on a daily basis. So, you know, everybody deals with things differently first time I saw a dead body, it didn't bother me. And it still doesn't bother me. Right. For other people it does. Yeah. You know, like I was kind of more curious. I'm like, wow, this is pretty neat. Right. But I don't mean to say it that way to be disrespectful, but it's you know, it's a curiosity. Right. You know, people are just like, some people are curious about it. Some people are not. I think everybody's
2: curious about death. It's just seeing it in person is a whole different story. It can be traumatic for some people. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's, you know, so yeah, but having somebody to talk to, I mean, I've known officers who have had, who've struggled greatly, because, you know, with alcohol and other things yeah. because of what they've seen on the job or what they've had to do on right. the job or what they've witnessed on the job.
0: See, I think part of that, well, that's a whole different thing. Yeah, I can I can definitely see that point. Um, I don't know. I think, yeah, I, I guess that's not super mainstream just yet, but no. it will be mainstream. Will it? I think it'll be mainstream in our lifetime. Psychedelics? In our lifetime, for sure. Dude, no. for sure. I'm we'll upset. be dead. We'll be dead. No, we won't. We'll there be are, dead by then. We might be dead. We, we might, might will we'll be dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You old men will be dead. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think that's uh I don't know. Is there any other thoughts that, that you guys have on
1: anything? Yeah, I think mm-hmm. that pretty rap well, not that it wraps it up, but it's it's an ongoing discussion yeah. for sure. Yeah.
0: The just one last thought. We, you and I were again were talking about this last week where I think the perception is well this has to be perfect. There's this idea of perfection. that it doesn't exist, though. That's just that's my yeah. point. And my point is, like, how about we just look work on just making it just a little bit better? And I think what we talked about today are some steps 100%. to make it just a little bit better for everybody. Minus the psychedelics. I think that would make it <laughs> way better for everybody. Um, but, yes, I think these are some easy steps, minus psychedelics, that could, could make policing a lot better. And we, maybe we see, uh, you know, a lot less of the bullshit that we saw, you know, with the Tyree Nichols incident. And, um, you know, hopefully as a whole, we can, uh, maybe with th- just that little area of our society that could start healing the country right? overall.
1: one 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 thought that I have, though, with that is is this, is that there's literally millions of interactions every day that people have with police officers that go fine. Yeah and there's a there's so many more and this is probably something that i don't know how you actually how do you actually sell this i don't want to say sell it how do you actually put it out there to the public because really you know fires and disaster sells yeah well
2: that that we're only seeing the bad we're only seeing the bad stuff so for
1: for every bad story there's and i don't even know what the number is but there's so many good interactions. There's probably thousands of good interactions. Yeah, yeah. like well, I, I have buddies that you know have been you know featured because they they grab you know they, they have somebody that's down on their luck or whatever they they go and buy them a tire because their tires flat and, you know I mean out yeah. of their own pocket or Right. maybe they get them shoes because they have no shoes yeah. or you know there's a lot of things that you know I mean we're service oriented people. There, there's still a lot of people that are very you know very kind and very looking for opportunity to give to somebody or do something or help them somehow and i mean i know from my own experience i was always looking for the mo- the path of easiest least resistance is is going to go through kindness right you know there are times when i can that i cannot be kind because i have to get the job done you know and they're not going to allow me to do to be kind yeah but once you find that opening with somebody i've had people that were very violent people that went very easily, you know, to, to jail because I was kind to them. Yeah. And they told me that yeah. they told me at the end of the day, they're like, you know why I went with you? Cause they were twice my size right, and really probably could have easily overtaken me because you were decent with me yeah, because you respected
0: them. Yeah. You respect them as a human being. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I
1: said, look, man. And I told him in the field, like, Hey, I, I can't take you by myself. So would you, you know, I have to do my job. Would you, would you, would you care to come with me, right. basically? <laughs> and you know, and and are and you know, like, hey, you know. But anyway, going back to the whole the whole idea, like, you, how do you get the public to see all the good? They just don't want to. I don't want to say they don't want to uh, see it. It, it, it just doesn't sell. No, well,
0: and that's just said, there's there's gatekeepers to that, mm-hmm. and that's that's the. Mainstream media that has. I'll give bit. you your next topic. What's that, buddy? There's
1: <laughs> it, so it it rolls right into if you want to talk about like open carry and being allowed, you know, the Second Amendment, right? And yeah, that, yeah, you know, and, and so on and so forth. They talk about all the good instances that people have protected themselves. That's being suppressed. You don't right. see. You don't hear that. You don't hear that. Right. And then, and then there's all these numbers out there. Is it a million times a year? Two and a half million times a year? Is it sixty thousand times a year? But really, how many people are you know? I mean, we have all these issues with people shooting each other and so on and so forth if you have that many more that are actually stopping things yeah you know what i mean so we should good. definitely talk about that yeah.
0: yeah yeah well i think that goes just back to we're looking for perfection right nothing's perfect let's just get a little bit better right There you go. um i don't know gentlemen any other thoughts
2: no i think we covered it all that's a long one too
0: yeah that's the longest one yet
2: it is But you can find us on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Spotify. What else? Anchor.fm. That's our hosting site, though.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Paul, thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate you, buddy.
2: Thanks, man. All All right. See you guys. Deuces.